Welcome to ABC Cafe. I'm your host, Anthony Apodaca. I recorded this interview on Tuesday, October 3rd, with Zoe Januzzi of the American Friends Service Committee. We spoke about their campaign entitled Be Bold Bernie, which is asking Bernie Sanders to visit and bear witness to the apartheid reality of Palestinians and return to be an advocate of justice and peace. After recording, I went out of town before I had the chance to edit and publish this. And of course, we all know now the events that have unfolded over the past several weeks. So what was urgent before has now become an emergency with ethnic cleansing happening before our eyes. So please, call and write your congressperson, attend a rally, get involved. Before we jump to the interview, I want to highlight one event. Depending on when you're listening to this, it might be relevant. Tomorrow, October 26, Palestinian writer Mohammed El-Kurd will be giving a lecture at 7 p.m. Mohammed El-Kurd is an award-winning poet, writer, journalist, and organizer from Jerusalem. He is the Palestinian correspondent for The Nation and a civic media fellow at the University of Southern California. Mohammed will talk about the representation and misrepresentation of Palestinians in the U.S. He was scheduled to deliver this at UVM as part of the Will Miller Social Justice Lecture Series, but the university decided to cancel it, citing unspecified safety concerns. So the lecture will go on, but it will be on YouTube instead of in person at UVM, and the link is in the show notes. And now here's the interview with Zoe Januzzi. Zoe Januzzi, welcome to ABC Cafe. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, great. So I'm going to actually read this. I said I wasn't going to, but you are program support for the Palestinian uh, Palestine Activism Program at the American Friends Service Committee. And yes. <laughs> we are sitting in the, what is this library called? The Wakesfield. Wakesfield Public Library. That's Cliff. <laughs> Waitsfield. <laughs> the Waitsfield Public Library. The Waitsfield Public Library. Um, um, on a campaign, uh, working on a campaign called Be Bold Bernie, where we are writing letters um, and helping facilitate write letters um, to Senator Sanders. Could you give me some background on that campaign and what you're hoping to accomplish? Yeah. So the Be Bold Bernie letter writing campaign came out of a meeting that we had uh, some activists and and Jennifer Bing, my my boss and I had in this summer, uh, where we spoke with a staffer from the Bernie office who said, hey, you know, you know what might convince Bernie to take more action on Palestine is if he got 200 handwritten letters. Um, and so that's what we've set that's out to do. <laughs> they said 200? 200. I, I think it was, um, uh, yeah, an optimistic uh, guess. And... Um, so it's a it's an old fashioned letter writing campaign getting back uh, to uh, the era of of paper and stamps, um, and the the goal is to to overwhelm the Bernie office with support for Palestinian human rights. Um, and the we are asking folks to write letters uh, to Bernie with the with two asks. And the first ask is that Bernie go and witness apartheid, um, that he meet up with folks in Gaza, in the West Bank, um, that he see what's going on um, and um, come to his own 
conclusions. But to be able to to see firsthand is much different than reading in a newspaper or having a briefing from your staffers or even hearing from constituents in uh, in person in Vermont or mm-hmm. in DC. And then we're asking that he that he come back and be a bold advocate. Um, so Bernie likes to to say that that he is bold, and I think a lot of um, folks consider his his progressive politics really um, uh, groundbreaking. But the it, he hasn't taken a lot of bold action for Palestinian rights recently. Um, but he he is. Uh, are the one of the senators from Vermont, and and we are par- as part of the political process. Folks are allowed to hold him accountable for his for his actions, um, and so we're hoping that he that he comes back and he shares what he's learned, what he's seen and witnessed uh, with his colleagues in the Senate and the power um, of uh, of of witness, uh, firsthand witness, and and also with um, with the world. Because he's got a, a big voice, I think, especially after after two presidential campaigns. Um, there's a lot of people that care about what Bernie says um, and are attracted to his his magnetism. And um, so we see this as a way of of participating in in the political process and and making our our voices heard. Great. And uh, so, where are you now in the in the letter writing process in terms of? You've been in Vermont, so you don't live in Vermont, which is we'll be upfront about that. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, no. But uh, you're, Baltimore's you're, you're, home. You're getting, <laughs> yeah, and 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 obviously, uh, what Bernie Sanders does affects uh, more than just uh, Vermont. But uh, in terms of the Vermont campaign, how is how is that going? Yeah, so we've had a couple of letter writing parties, virtual and in person. Um, folks have encouraged people at their. Quaker meetings to write letters um, and in their communities, uh, working with Vermonters for Justice in Palestine and and uh, the Burlington Friends meeting. And we're about a quarter of the way there. Um, so we need a lot more letters. And I hope that um, if what you hear inspires you, that you get out a pen and paper or pencil and send a letter. And there's a website people can go to for more information, right? That is true. Um, if you Google "Be Bold Bernie" AFSC, it will uh, that website will come up, and you'll be able to read more about the campaign as well as find the address to send those letters to. I'll put a link on the show notes for the podcast too, so you don't have to Google it. <laughs> Perfect, um, and and of course we need a way to to. Uh, record the fact that you've sent a letter. So there's a form uh, on that website where you'll be able to tell us that you that you sent a letter uh, as we count our way up to 200. Perfect. Um, so in terms of your own involvement, uh, why is this important to you or how did you find yourself coming to this issue of all the issues uh, out there? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big question. Um, but so I, I got my start in organizing uh, on Palestine in college. I went to a performing arts high school. Um, I barely had enough time to sleep and eat and do my homework. Um, and I grew up in a fairly political family. We had conversations about about what was going on around the dinner table, but I didn't have a, a lot. I didn't have as much time as I would have preferred to 
to make my opinions known um, and to, to push for the kind of change that I wanted to see in my community. Um, I definitely <laughs> was raised going to, to protests um, for mostly for more school funding in, in Baltimore. Um, but in high school, I think uh, I was really energized by a lot of the actions um, for uh, common sense gun legislation after the Parkland shooting. And so I made this commitment to myself that when I got to college, I was going to to get involved with a community of folks who are really eager to um, to change the world around them. And so I went to a whole bunch of first club meetings and SJP stuck and that's Students for Justice in Palestine. Um, the people there, the, the upperclassmen were really warm and welcoming um, and made sure that I uh, knew what was going on, <laughs> that, that I um, felt capable and, and confident in speaking about the issue. And so uh, four weeks into my freshman fall, I was standing in front of the administrative building at Swarthmore um, demanding that the, that the college <laughs> divest their, their endowment um, from Israeli apartheid. And uh, that was <laughs> that was a big ask, um, but it was important to me um, because that was the sphere where I could make change. Um, Did they? No. <laughs> um, no. Who would have thought? <laughs> I, can, I can tell you all about the, the Swarthmore specifics um, if you're curious, but... Uh, that, that, that campaign, we, we did successfully pass a, a BDS resolution through the student government, um, and we had some support from, from faculty members. We got uh, 1,000 signatures in a week uh, on a student body of 1,600. Um, but that was energizing, uh, even though we were ultimately, so far, unsuccessful um, in convincing our college to live up to its stated values. Um, but I... Uh, so I spent four years organizing with Students for Justice in Palestine at Swarthmore. And after that, I, I wanted to take my, <laughs> to widen my sphere of influence um, beyond the Swarthmore bubble. Uh, so I spent a year um, in the program assistant fellowship at the Friends Committee on National Legislation, which is another Quaker advocacy organization pushing for peace and justice, um, mostly in electoral politics on the national level. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was working uh, on Palestine, Yemen, and Iran there, and um, continued that work with the American Friends Service Committee, but on a, a much more grassroots level. Um, and, and that's how I find myself here in Vermont, where <laughs> there are a lot of really warm uh, welcoming and really cool people doing a lot of of important work in changing. Uh, Cliff's, the <laughs> Cliff's not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're we're all cool in our own special ways. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I've I've been really lucky um, to meet with a lot of of people who have a lot of stories to tell and um, to be welcomed into into this work. Uh, which is which Perfect. is exciting. Um, so one of the other campaigns you're working on is just called apartheid-free communities. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah. Um, so that campaign is a national campaign, and there are 154 communities that have taken this uh, pledge. And by communities, I mean 
congregations, businesses, Quaker meeting houses, peace and justice organizations. Um, it's open to any group of individuals. Um, and the I'll read the the pledge. It's sort of got it's got four parts, um, and it goes: We affirm our commitment to freedom, justice, and equality for the Palestinian people and all people. We oppose all forms of racism, bigotry, discrimination, and oppression. And we declare ourselves an apartheid-free community. And to that end, we pledge to join others in working to end all support to Israel's apartheid regime, settler colonialism, and military occupation. So it's it's half a, a declaration of shared values um, in positive and negative sense, and working against um, forces of oppression in our in our world and in our communities, and also. A statement of what we want to see. We want to see uh, peace and, and justice and equality for all people. And also a, com a commitment to action. So it's an initiative um, that doesn't have uh, any specific campaign attached to it in that it's it does not now. got a specific target in the Burlington community. Yes, it does. Um, but we'll, it, it's, we'll follow up on that one in a second. We'll finish your thought. Um, yeah. It's open to, to different communities to take uh, the actions that, um, that work for them. Of course, um, grounded in the values uh, mm -hmm. of the pledge and uh, it's a community to to sort of bounce ideas off of if you don't have um, folks in your area that are working uh, for justice in Palestine it's the opportunity to to network with people all across the country who are working towards the the same thing great so what I referenced was um, what VTJP Vermonters for Justice in Palestine has done basically taken the language of that pledge and made it into a petition, um, which we are collecting signatures to get it on the ballot to take it directly to uh, the people of Burlington in March. Um, so we are slowly collecting 1,500 signatures, um, which is astonishing to me because I found out this weekend that you need fewer signatures to get Joe Biden on the president ballot <laughs> for Vermont than you do to get a resolution for Jess Burlington, <laughs> which is a bit wow. crazy to me. Um, so that's that's what we're doing. Um, and that is, you know, it's an educational campaign as much as anything else, right? So, yeah, yeah, no, it's um, I think. The, the easiest comparison I've found for myself is to the Sanctuary Cities movement um, and where it's it's partly about education, uh, about the the reality of, of that, that people face um, and uh, making sure that people in our community are aware um, that uh, apartheid occupation, settler colonialism is going on in, in our name with $3.8 billion of, of taxes every year. Mm -hmm. So, and I, you can answer this for either campaign, the Be Bold Bernie or the apartheid free community, apartheid free communities. Um, what types of challenges have you faced or opposition have you had since, you know, we're working on these? Well, I think, um, particularly with the apartheid free uh, cam uh, communities uh, initiative that uh, the word apartheid is is controversial 
Um, for some folks, it's actually welcoming. They they know what apartheid means. They worked uh, in anti-apartheid communities uh, on initiatives and campaigns um, against South African apartheid. And so that's a frame of reference that makes sense to them looking at the issue from a racial justice lens. Um, but for a lot of other folks, I think it's it's off-putting or at least they're, they don't know how to feel. They know that it, that it might be controversial, um, but they, they don't feel that they're educated enough to, to, to speak on the issue or to call it apartheid. And um, I think that that kind of war on words is, uh, is consequential. Um, there's a lot of different words for what's going on and, and they mean different things. And those frames help us understand the reality on the ground in, in different ways. Um, but the, there's a lot of consensus that uh, the situation can and should be described as apartheid. Um, and that comes from South African um, activists and, and folks who have visited and said, hey, this, this looks similar to, to what was going on in South Africa. Or and worse. That, <laughs> or worse. And that also comes from, from um, major human rights organizations, <coughs> Amnesty International, uh, Human Rights Watch, Betzalem, uh, an Israeli human rights organization. Mm-hmm. Um, on the, in, in Burlington, I think that, that folks have, for the most part, uh, found um, that a lot of people are really eager to sign the petition. Um, the, once they know what it's about, they're like, yeah, yeah, those are, those are my values. Those, uh, that's what, that's the kind of community that I'd like to, to live in. Um, and, and yeah, be in community with folks. So what's, uh, what's next on the horizon? Anything that you have that you can share or another phase in any, any campaign or something you're working on now? Yeah. So over the next month, um, uh, another thing that I'll be working on is we've got a book tour on the West Coast. And so uh, for folks who aren't on the West Coast, there are a couple of uh, events that are being streamed. Um, but I encourage you to look for, for similar events in, in your own communities. Uh, the American Friends Service Committee published um, a book, an anthology of stories from authors from Gaza last year. It's called Light in Gaza, Writings Born of Fire. And um, we uh, are on a tour with one of the authors of that anthology, Yusuf Al-Jamal, who is uh making his way down the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego mm-hmm. and sharing his stories. His chapter is about movement and access restrictions mm-hmm. um, that he faces as a Palestinian from Gaza. And um, But there are webinars uh, in particular because <laughs> Palestinians face movement and access restrictions coming to the United States and, and sharing their stories with us. Um, that where you'll you have the opportunity to to hear directly from Palestinians about what's going on, which is better than hearing from me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, great, Zoe Januzzi, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, <laughs> Cliff. Yes, sir. Thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs>